DW Africa Link Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link program where we dig into the stories that matter to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And Eddie Micah Jr. is my name. Join us on Facebook. That's DW Africa. Coming up, South Africa accuses Israel of genocide as it opens a case at the International Criminal Court of Justice. The destruction of Palestinian towns, the insufficient aid being allowed through to the Palestinian population, and the impossibility of distributing this limited aid while bombs fall renders essentials to life unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it's all about the Africa Cup of Nations in Ivory Coast. We'll look at Gambia's drama over players' bonuses. We have consulted the president all the way in Mauritania, and he has given the directives that um, you know we should pay to ensure that we stick to the, the game plan, which is to, to go to Africa and do our best. So government is going to look for, for those monies of 38 million and pay to the players. We have all that and much more coming up after the world's news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyingi. The International Court of Justice in The Hague has begun hearing accusations of genocide brought against Israel by South Africa. The case itself could take years, but today South Africa has been asking the court to order Israel to immediately halt its military operations in Gaza. The hearing this week will focus on requests for emergency measures to be imposed much sooner. South Africa has long supported the Palestinians, linking their struggle to its own history of fighting against apartheid. Israel, on its part, has strongly denied the claims, calling them baseless accusations. So why is South Africa bringing this case? Here is our correspondent in Johannesburg, Diane Hawker. South Africa believes it has a responsibility for a number of reasons. South Africa's own past of having lived through um, segregation and discrimination under the apartheid state. And South Africa believes that there is um, an affinity between what happened to South Africa and what is happening in Gaza and has decided to bring that forward uh, to the International Court of Justice, um, raising a number of issues. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies is concerned about this approach, saying that they don't believe that South Africa should have gone to these lengths and that they could have rather acted as mediators. Diane Hawker, our correspondent there. In Johannesburg, South Africa, Papua New Guinea has declared a state of emergency. Looting and arson in the capital port Mosby has killed at least 16 people. The violence was triggered by police protesting against cuts to their pay. The unrest has spread north to the city of Lai. Prime Minister James Marape has called for calm. I encourage all our citizens to step out today and give respect to your country one more time. Encourage your neighborhood. We acknowledge, we look into how we could correct, we look at, at how we would bring responsible people to face a full arm of law. Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria have agreed to remove underwater mines from the Black Sea. The three NATO members say the mines washed into their territories after the Russian invasion of Ukraine and pose a danger to shipping. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. Germany's foreign minister has criticized China over its activities in the South China Sea, accusing the country of engaging in risky maneuvers. Annalena Baerbock 
is in Philippines for talks with leaders, the first by a German foreign minister in over a decade. She also criticized Beijing's territorial claims and said they are not in line with international law. Baerbock said recent developments in the South China Sea are a cause for concern even in Europe. And in sports, uh, the Gambia squad travelled to Ivory Coast for the upcoming 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, but could have died during a flight that was aborted. The Air Côte d'Ivoire flight turned around just minutes after leaving the Gambian capital Banjul on Wednesday. The coach, Tom Setfield, believes there was a lack of oxygen, saying conditions prompted many of the delegation to fall asleep. For more news and information, head on to our website, dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. Welcome to DW's Africa Link program, coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. My name is Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Feel free to comment on the stories we are covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We go to South Africa where the country is accusing Israel on Thursday of subjecting Palestinians to genocidal acts during Israel's military campaign in Gaza. The accusation was made at the opening of hearings at the top UN court, International Court of Justice, ICJ, in The Hague. Israel says the case is baseless. So just to let you know how we got here, on October 7th, 2023, the Islamist group Hamas that rules Gaza stormed through Israeli communities, killing 1,200 people and capturing 240 hostages. The resultant response from Israel has so far killed more than 23,000 people. That's according to uh, the Hamas-run health uh, institution. And it's also driven nearly the entire population of 2.3 million Palestinians from their homes. Now, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa said his country was driven to bring the case due to its own apartheid history. Let's listen to one of the statements made by South African lawyer Adila Hassim. Palestinians in Gaza are being killed by Israeli weaponry and bombs from air, land and sea. They are also at immediate risk of death by starvation, dehydration and disease as a result of the ongoing siege by Israel, the destruction of Palestinian towns, the insufficient aid being allowed through to the Palestinian population and the impossibility of distributing this limited aid while bombs fall. This conduct renders essentials to life unobtainable. That was South African lawyer Adila Hassim. So what really was South Africa seeking at court today? That's what I asked DW's Lucia Shulton, who was at the court hearing. Today's hearings were not so much about the question whether there was indeed a breach of the Genocide Convention or not, but more about the question whether the court should order provisional measures. So South Africa is asking for these provisional measures, which can be seen as some kind of an emergency relief. They are asking for a number of things. For example, they are asking that Israel should cease all military operations right now, but they're also asking that human assistance should be given to the people in the Gaza Strip. 
have also been quoting um, different um, persons of the Israeli government in order to prove their case that there is indeed this intention of uh, destroying the Palestinian people or parts of the Palestinian people in the Gaza Strip. What real power does the ICJ have to even address the allegations or the issue brought by South Africa against Israel? Yes, yeah, so the ICJ does have uh, competence or jurisdiction to judge over this because of this uh, genocide convention. This is an international treaty that has been established in 1948 and then it entered into force in 1951. Israel and South Africa are both signatories to this treaty and in this treaty itself it says that the International Court of Justice is in charge to uh, take care that everyone complies with that treaty. So the International Court of Justice is competent, but then, of course, and this is a bit the thing, the International Court of Justice can order things, but it does not have a military force or an army or any kind of police to really enforce its judgments. So this is um, maybe why some people might think this is a bit of a teethless court, but it does send a signal because if the International Court of Justice, which is the United Nations Court, decides um, that there is a breach or not, then this matters um, to the United Nations. And with that, it should also or it, it might also matter to the international community. Right, right. How much attention is the world given to this trial? there's quite some attention to this trial. So I've seen a lot of reporters from all over the world coming uh, coming here to The Hague, reporting from uh, from The Hague and talking about this. And um, I would say it's a one, one of the bigger cases I've seen here at the International Court of Justice. And it's, it, it's really important. And there's a big interest in this. Mm. What happens next after today's hearing? Uh, we understand it's going to be quite a long back and forth, isn't it? Yes, that is true, which is always the case for the, the cases at the International Court of Justice. So there's the first next step will be that Israel will get a chance to make his case tomorrow on Friday. And then after this, the court will decide on the provisional measures. After this, there will be a next step where the court will decide to whether it goes into the merits of the case or not, which is widely expected that the court will do that. And then it will take a couple of years until the final judgment will be rendered. So it's still a long way to go for this court case. I was speaking to DW's Lucia Shulton, who was at the court hearing. Now we have some comments on that story. Jeffrey Aramude says, what would South Africa have done if their country was invaded by terrorists? Every nation of the world is right to defend itself again against terrorism. Yeah, and uh, this one from James Katumwa says, I don't think this stands by South Africa will bring that country any gains in its dwindling economy. What South Africa should have done is to improve the strategy on how they can consolidate the fight against the evil perpetuating against its citizens day in, day out. So this comment basically saying mm. that misplaced priorities <laughs> yeah. by South Africa. Well, keep those comments coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. And just to let you know, same time tomorrow, Friday, we will dig deeper into this story on the story of the week. Um, that's a special edition of Africa Link that mm-hmm. we have every Friday. So set a reminder for it so you don't miss it. I also hope you're not going to miss the African Cup of Nations, AFCON, which begins on the 13th of January in Ivory Coast. You know, Gambian football players, they almost 
planned to miss it mm. after threatening to boycott the competition due to unpaid bonuses. These players, rather disgruntled over the unresolved financial matters, took a stand by refusing to attend the final training session on Tuesday. President Barrow had to intervene to resolve the impasse between the players and the Football Federation. Our correspondent Sakule Janko has more in this following report. Finally, the Gambia's national football team, the Scorpions, will participate in the Africa Cup of Nations. After a surprising turn of events, the players reconsidered their plans to boycott the tournament after President Adam Abaro directed the finance ministry to pay the unpaid bonuses of the players. Negotiations between the players and the football federation had reached an impasse, leading to frustrations among the squad. Omar Kohli is the captain of the national team. If something is, is promised to you, I think you are entitled to receive it, not to bring confusion. So I would like to clear everything out. The thing is that we had an agreement with the GFF that this qualifying bonus will be paid. And then regarding to the president, I told him to give us diplomatic passport, not to take money from his own pocket because we are going to represent the country. And uh, this is an important tournament for everyone. The president of the Gambia Football Federation, Lamin Kababajo, said the team made series of demands and they came to an agreement before the team decided otherwise. Within that uh, demand is a qualification bonus of 15,000 euros per player when we qualified to AFCON 2023. And that's the least they could have got. The request was far higher than that. It was about 25,000 euros. What we agreed on was because we were running in a huge deficit. All the funds are not around. Uh, and they had their consultation, they came back and forth. And then all of a sudden I was called into a meeting and uh, uh, the ultimatum was there. We are not going to train and we are going to Abidjan, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, if this amount is not paid. As tensions escalate, fans and football enthusiasts feared the possibility of Gambia's participation in the Afcon. But President Adam Barrow's government intervened to end the crisis. Bakari Baji is the Minister of Youth and Sports. You know, $38 million is not a little money. And it's not one that personally I can say we can do. Like I said, it's not a commitment that government made. But we've consulted the president all the way in Mauritania, and he has given the directives that um, you know, we should pay, give the players that, you know, to ensure that we stick to the, the game plan, which is to, to go to Africa and do our best. So government is going to look for, for those monies of $38 million and pay to the players. Despite the intervention of President Barrow, supporters expressed disappointment going into the tournament. I am telling you, I'm more than 100% disappointed about whatever is happening here. This is sending a very negative message for us. I am very, very unhappy with the situation. It's another sad day for the youth. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, a chartered aircraft, Air Codivar, that was hired to fly the national team to Codivar, experienced technical issues shortly after takeoff from Banjul International Airport. The flight was nine minutes airborne en route to Yamusukoro when it was forced to return to the departure airport for an emergency landing. The Gambia Football Federation, GFF, blamed a loss of cabin pressure and oxygen. The entire crew and passengers safely landed back to Banjul. At the time of producing this report, the Gambia national team was still in Banjul. We thank God for their lives. That was Sankule Janko uh, reporting on that unfortunate incident that happened in um, the Gambia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some of you are reacting on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Thans Figo says, Cameroon had the same issue when going for the World Cup in 2014. Guess what? It recorded its worst performance 
in its World Cup history. And Aga Ibrahima says Gambia Football Federation has failed us even to hire a good aircraft is a problem. They are all corrupt. Players are still stranded in the country because the flight was not in good condition, which led to an emergency landing after nine minutes of departure. I mean, Gambia is not the only one with no aircraft. I I, I was laughing at my colleague yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we he knows why. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the Ghana team took a pose, posing with a flag, mm. uh-huh. shining that we are going to the Afghan. But with, guess which aircraft they were standing in front of? It's one Africa. <laughs> Why one don't Africa. you have an airline in Ghana? Yeah, that's a different matter. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's all about, uh, in Ghana, we have this uh, saying, agroniform. Say, it basically, the performance on the field of play will determine how far we go. So whichever uh, flight it doesn't, and it, plane it, we came in doesn't matter. It doesn't Josie. change that it was Ivory Coast, Air Cote d'Ivoire. Anyway, <laughs> just to remind you, this is DW's Africa Link coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. We appreciate everyone who's tuned in. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa, where the show is live. We also appreciate our listeners via our partner stations around the world. Now, still to come is Ivory Coast ready for the Afcon 2023 tournament. There's huge work going on. In some words, in some way, the country is ready, but in some other parts, it's not like completely ready. If you talk about ready, I can put it at about 85%. 85%. And today is what? Thursday? Mm, we still have Friday and then Saturday we move. Okay. Yeah. Friday I mean, is they, enough. Things will be, be okay. fast, fast. They'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, that will be coming back shortly. But for now, let's head to Zambia. It's been nine years since the country's national team, Chipolo Polo, played in the Africa Cup of Nations tournament, AFCON. And we're only able to qualify this time around. Many Zambians are excited. The team is in Group F with DR Congo, Tanzania and Morocco. Yeah, they concluded their preparation with a friendly game against Cameroon recently. It ended one all. right? Mm-hmm. DW's Gloria Mushenge has been speaking with some citizens in the capital, Lusaka, about their expectations. Let's take a listen. The mood is that of excitement, that of huge expectations, that of uh, a moment of uh, togetherness, a moment of uh, a lot of people looking forward to a party at the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. I mean, I came in here a few days ago. Uh, apologies for that mix up. So that is actually um, our correspondent who is live in Ivory Coast. Um, that's Samson Omale. And he's going to be giving us an update on what exactly is happening. He starts by telling us about the mood. There's huge work going on. In some words, in some way, the country is ready, but in some other parts, it's not like completely ready. If you talk about ready, I can put it at about 85%. The mood is that of excitement, that of huge expectations, that of uh, a moment of uh, togetherness, a moment of uh, a lot of people looking forward to a party at the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. I mean, I came in here a few days ago and I've been talking to lots of people and they are expectant. I mean, Josie, this is the first time in 40 years the African Cup of Nations is coming to Ivory Coast. The last time this country hosted the AFCON was in 1984. And in 2004, it's back here, and the people are so looking forward to it. I spoke to a young man yesterday, and he said by the time uh, the last AFCON was staged, 
he wasn't born. And that right now he has the opportunity, you know, to witness the AFCON. He's looking forward to it and all of that. Now the city, virtually every part of the nation's capital, Abidjan, is painted with the colors of Ivory Coast. So you can see the green, you can see the orange, you can see the white, you know, virtually dotting every building, every major landmark around the city. So um, the African fever is beginning to catch up. And with every passing day, mm-hmm. as we inch forward to Saturday, the opening ceremony, Josie, it's that of huge, huge expectations, as I said. And a lot of fans are looking forward to the 23 Africa Cup of Nations to get on the way. I mean, we are all so excited. And speaking of the fans, Samson, I know you said you came in a few days ago. Tell me, what was the airport like? Immigration, uh, people coming in, fans, obviously, to come and support their teams from different parts of the world. Absolutely. And I mean, I came in on Tuesday and since then, I mean, I stayed in the airport for quite some bit, for, 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 for quite a while. And you see these people coming in, adorning different national colors of different countries. So you have lots of people coming in. And then there's a band at the Felix Ophuet Bioni Airport. There's a cultural band that is always stationed at the arrival. So you come in there, you don't even want to leave the airport because they give you this exciting African culture mm-hmm. on display. Lots of artistic dancing going on, some choreography, even have some masquerade who are there, a, a cultural Ivorian uh, display, you know, and it just blows you off your mind. So the airport is a beehive of activity. You have also the mascot is there, both the one that is, you know, Painted and of course the life mascot as it is welcoming people into the country mm-hmm. and um, the immigration my passage there was smooth as a matter of fact uh, I didn't take up to five minutes I was done with immigration and yeah I could say Aquaba Aquaba indeed yes and then we're talking of Abidjan we're talking of Cote d'Ivoire it's a French speaking yeah. country what's happening in terms of language I mean you are from Nigeria we are English speakers how are you coping it's tough uh, my French is here or nothing at all. So, <laughs> so it, it's been a struggle. Um, I mean, it's a French-speaking country. And I was just trying to say earlier during uh, Facebook Live that, I mean, in Cameroon, when I was in Cameroon, it's a bilingual country. So mm-hmm. you can have some people speaking English. But here, it's really, really very difficult to communicate. They, from the immigration officials to the taxi. Now, I tell you something funny that happened yesterday. Now, I took a taxi from uh, the playing ground where the uh, Super Eagles was, were training. After the training, I wanted to get to the place I stay. And all through the one hour, 30 minutes journey, the taxi man was speaking to me in French. I was speaking to him in English. <laughs> I couldn't hear what he was saying. He but couldn't he hear could, what I was saying. But, but you guys we were, were just communicating. Talking. I mean, that is, yeah, the, just communicating. that is the power of football no Maria, when it comes to language. Now, the other thing I want to know is you are already there. The opening is on Saturday. Is Cote d'Ivoire ready to host AFCON 2023? Well, uh, that's a very tricky question to ask. Uh, i tell you what I see. I mean, I, I came in and there's huge work going on. Now, yesterday... Just three days before the tournament starts, we had the Commissioner for Transport and Commissioner for Info, um, Communication going around commissioning bridges. I suspect to you, some of the roads are still being constructed. I mean, wow. if you come in, just if, yeah, some, a few meters away from the airport, there's this huge roundabout being done, which will definitely will not be completed 
even when the tournament is over. And so you have such kind of construction still going on, dotting different parts of the city. So in some words, in some way, the country is ready, but in some other parts, it's not like completely ready. If you talk about ready, I can put it at about 85%. And which teams are already in the country? Now we have, out of the 24 teams, we have over... 16, 17 teams are already in the country. Just a few left to come in. At least I witnessed Namibia coming in and going to Buake, one of the host cities where they'll be uh, playing. I also saw the Nigerian team come in. I saw the Ghanaian team come into the mm-hmm. country. I saw the Senegalese team also come in. Several countries are in. Uh, we have just a few left uh, to make it. And of course, in the next 24 hours, we should have a full complement of the 24 teams that will participate in the 34th edition of the African Cup of Nations. That was our correspondent. I was speaking to Elia Samson Omale, who's live in Abidjan. He's from Nigeria. Amaka, Amaka Oke is also in the studio with mm-hmm. us to talk, talk well, tackle. <laughs> it's not politics. To talk <laughs> about sport and football. Yeah. I mean, Eddie's from Ghana. Amaka is from mm-hmm. Nigeria. So I'm the referee here because Zimbabwe <laughs> is not playing. So start Ghana. Eddie, no, I mean, tell us. Look, it's, it's, if you look at the Facebook page, I don't see anyone saying... Oh my God. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't see anyone <laughs> saying that? Nigeria is winning the you competition. You did not look Okay, well. Amaka. But we've seen a lot of Ghana, right? <laughs> no, you did not read. You were not reading the right comments. I think <laughs> you were on a different page. But seriously, on the most serious note, mm. I mean, Nigeria is known to have... It's a star-studded squad, right? Mm-hmm. You have a lot of key players, strong players. What really do you think the chances of the Super Eagles are? I mean, let's start from the good point, which is the fact that um, Nigerians are pretty much very excited. You mm-hmm. know, um, if you saw when the players came, they were all looking really bright and sharp and happy. So we're hoping that they bring in that energy when it is time also. Because we're go- we also have, you know, Victor Osime, who's, you know, the African Player mm-hmm. of the Year. The expectations are high. Mm-hmm. But if predictions are anything to go by Josie and Eddie is the fact that you know there are so many people who are saying well we Nigeria has uh, just 0.8 to 1 percent chances of, <laughs> of winning but before you start laughing and getting excited Ghana has 0.5 oh my God. I mean they are predictions and there are data to back it so which data whose data please <laughs> well anyways the okay Ghana Jollof for Nigeria Jollof <laughs> I think it's Nigerian Jollof so yeah. hopefully this time we'll be able to pull something through again yeah. okay yeah. Amaka just your prediction quickly which teams two teams do you think will uh, reach the finals Senegal of course and and Nigeria <laughs> no, that, that just shows how, 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 how not serious are you talking about Morocco we are looking at this there. issue well forget but, about those ones Nigeria yeah but you know what we'll, 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 we'll by all means have more time to talk about most of the teams but we're prepared also for today's Zambia what are their chances in the competition Gloria Moshenga spoke to some citizens in the capital to find out <laughs> Footballers on the pitch scream out and beckon each other for the ball during a local game at the home of the Lusaka City Council LCC Football Club over the weekend as some excited fans cheer them on from the stands while others loudly express frustration at their preferred team's lack of coherence. In few days, this shower of emotions will shift towards the Zambia national team as they kick off their Africa Cup of Nations campaign. The Copper Bullets, or Chipolopolo, as they are fondly called, who are being steered into the tournament by coach Avram Grant, who has in the past managed Ghana, Chelsea, Portsmouth and West Ham United, will be making a return to the continent's biggest football stage after nine years of absence, and Zambian fans are expecting big. They have what it takes to win the Africa Cup. 
We have good players. We have players who are competing on the world scene, competing in big competitions. So we really expect a lot from them. Like uh, Patson Daka, who plays for Leicester City, uh, Fashion Sakala in Saudi Arabia, Lamik Banda, who plays for Russia in Italy. Just to mention a few, but we have quite a good number of them. In the group stages, we just have to avoid conceding. That is Noah Hagai, a Lusaka-based correctional officer who believes in the team's abilities. His confidence mirrors that of former parliamentarian and minister, now businessman in Lusaka, Charles Zulu, who observes that the current squad is formidable, hence they are having qualified to this tournament, adding that they are ready to face any team. We have a very good team, a young team. Most of the players were playing together at under-20 level, so they've graduated into the main national team. Talk of uh, Fashion Sakala, Patson Taka and the other guys. Managing to qualify in itself means that you are a strong team. I remember we even beat Ivory Coast here, the ones that are hosting this tournament. It was 3-0 and that shows that we will go far. Here at the LCC football pitch, I also meet players from Chambeshi Football Club based on the Copperbelt province who travelled over seven hours to Lusaka for a game. Their head coach, Israel Mwanza, believes if Chipolopolo win their first game in the group stages, they will go far in the tournament. The most important thing is the first game. That's the most important game. If you win that first game, then you can go through to the quarterfinals. Now look at the selection. I think the whole team is capable to deliver. Zambia's first game will be against Sierra Congo, who are currently ranked 24 places above them in the world rankings. Be that as it may, Chipolopolo have never lost to the latter, with about four out of five previous games having ended level. Still, some fans think the other teams in the group are tough, and Zambians should therefore manage their expectations and not raise them unnecessarily. Pharmacist Deborah Makua can only send positive vibes to the 2012 Africa champions, saying if they did it once, they can do it again. They should get those scores and they should make us proud. We do have the capability. Well, let the games begin. Indeed. <laughs> let the games begin, indeed. Glory Mushenge with that report. Thank you very much, Amako Koye, for your presence in the studio. And thank you guys for listening to us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And Josie Mahachi. Until tomorrow, take care. DW. Made for Minds.